Welcome to True Talk on WMNF 88.5 with Ahmed and Summer. Good morning, um, Ahmed, or uh, good evening, we should say. Good afternoon. Good morning, good evening, and good afternoon all at once. I don't know how many time zones you are in, but um, I'm glad that you're here. We're live and we're broadcasting and we want to remind our listeners that our um, fund drive will be coming up not next week but i guess the week after that uh, for true talk so uh, we'll be counting on you to support us and i also want to thank all the circle of friends members that i met last saturday at ella's for the circle of friends celebration and um, it was awesome to to see you guys there and thank you for your continued support if you want to join the circle of friends where you make a monthly donation to help continue sustaining WMNF. We'd love to have you. You can always go on WMNF.org to sign up or call us at 813-238-8001 and ask about the circle of friends program. Summer, um, on today's program, what do you have lined up? Actually, we have a very interesting uh, show, Ahmed, inshallah, God willing. We're going to be talking about the largest Palestinian literature festival ever held in North America. There was a plan to hold it a couple of years ago. It was the December just before the shutdown, so it became a virtual event. It's uh, held in uh, Penn uh, University, uh, Philadelphia, and it should start tomorrow, I think, in the afternoon. I My dream was to go attend it, uh, but um, I'm traveling in a few days after that, uh, so it would be very difficult. So we will be talking about the largest literature festival, I would say, in all of the Western world. Uh, and it's going to be starting tomorrow. So we're going to be talking to Su- Suzanne Daraj and Laurel Bust because you would think that we're going to be talking only about literature and about art yeah. and about and music. Well. And there is and- uh, music, dance, uh, tabla. Um, I mean, I can't, I'm waiting for them to join any minute now and tell us. But if you go to online now and you Google Palestine writes, you will find tens of articles from from different uh, publications saying um, anti-Semitic, shut down, close it, threatening to the lives of Jewish students. And I'm wondering, I really can't wait for the two ladies to join us and explain to us how could something like this turn into a controversial uh, issue where they have, you know, Palestinians again have to seek uh, the help of uh, Jewish, other Jewish organizations, students' organizations, legal organizations, and to create um, some sort of like support to a literature festival. So it seems that a Palestinian in America cannot be a radio host or hostess, cannot be a writer, cannot be a poet, cannot be an actress or actor. I mean, this attempt to suffocate us from every corner, I think, is very unhealthy to democracy. So, Okay, uh, so Mark, we're um, going to take a quick music break, and when we come back, we'll come back for that, okay? Stand by. This is True Talk on WMNF. We'll be right back. 
رايق لو مين عليا لو حرب جايه والله ما اتضايق هتعايق مزاجي حلو وشكلي الحلو عليا كده لايق مترزق والانبساط لازق للزقه ده ما صدق ليه مزنزق جايين لو حتك كل الدنيا بيتحدى اليوم الحلو ده الحلوة دي يا ملعلع الليلة جاي محلون وحدي متدلع هنولع الدنيا رقص ما خلص يا نحس بتودع في شياكة بأداء راسي والوش في تلاكة تلاجة أعصابي بردة ومش شاغلني ولا حاجة اليوم الحلو ده إيه الناس الحلوة دي إيه اليوم الحلو ده وإيه الناس الحلوة دي Welcome back to Truth Talk on WMNF and um, by Ahmed Saad, the Egyptian singer. I guess it's, um, it means what is this beautiful day and what are these beautiful people. Um, Summer, this is yeah, your favorite kind of music. You- you picked the right song to welcome uh, Susan and Laura uh, that we have to talk to these uh, um, very accomplished ladies. Uh, we have Susan. to talk to these uh, uh, Susan Daraj is the, an author and um, uh, and she's won several uh, actually um, awards for her writings. But uh, I think one of her unique uh, productions is uh, a book series uh, called Farah Rocks. And I think this is, if I'm not mistaken, the first time uh, uh, some uh, children's stories have a Palestinian-American uh, character, and uh, this Palestinian is Farah, and she's smart, brave, and funny. So we're going to be talking to Suzanne because she's also uh, the director of publishing of the Palestine rights uh, literature that you and I mentioned. And also we are joined by Laura Bassett, who's a Palestinian journalist, photographer, editor, media analyst, and she has been published her pieces in most important uh, publications. And um, 
She is also involved with Palestine rights. Very, very honored, ladies, to have you uh, with us on True Talk. And we do uh, have it uh, on Twitter. If you have, I know I posted your handles, but if you want to uh, retweet it, because we have usually so many people who listen from all over the world via uh, the link that I post on uh, Twitter. So please retweet that tweet. And I want to start with uh, Susan, if I may. Uh, Can you explain to our listeners, because before you joined in, Ahmed and I tried to give a brief on the uh, conference and the controversy. But I want to start with the idea of Palestine rights. Who is uh, uh, the brainchild? This is the brainchild I know of a Palestinian author. But what is Palestine rights? why it is significant, why it's important, and it's starting tomorrow, I think. So go ahead, Susan. Hello, thank you both for having me on the show. It's a really a pleasure to be here. And it's especially wonderful to be here with Laura as well. Laura and I became friends during this, this endeavor of putting together Palestine rights. And um, I'm a great admirer of hers at this point, and um, happy to be here with her sharing the good news about our festival. So Palestine Rights is the brainchild, as you said, of Susanna Bulhawa, who's a wonderful Palestinian novelist. And um, I've long been an admirer of her books, but I came to know her when I volunteered several years ago to help with the first iteration of Palestine Rights. I had heard in 2019 that there would be this Palestinian literature festival. And I volunteered to help because I was so excited to hear that this was happening. Unfortunately, that first festival had to be canceled. It was supposed to be held in March of 2020. And so we moved it online in December of 2020. And let me tell you both that um, the success we had with a virtual literature festival in December of 2020 was incredible. The outpouring of support and love was incredible. We had over 3,000 registrants who attended from all over the world. And what we realized is that there's a real need for this in the Palestinian community, especially the community that's in the diaspora. There's a need for us to come together and make our own space and tell our own stories. And so that's really the heart of Palestine rights, this idea that You know, the media doesn't give us a fair shake. Um, Publishing, especially in North America, is very hard for Palestinian Americans. Um, I'm not sure if you both know, but in the United States, only about 11% of the books that are published every year are published by people of color. So you can imagine how small that percentage would be if we um, aggregated it by Palestinian Americans. So... And I know personally the challenges of becoming published as a Palestinian author. So we decided that rather than wait for someone to make a space for us, we're going to make our own space. And so that's what this conference is really about, celebrating our heritage, our culture, our literature together in one space. Um, And hopefully you can see from the program that we have an incredible lineup of speakers. 
Yeah, I want to tell our uh, listeners that they, as we speak, they can go to palestinerights.org and they can uh, have a look at uh, the uh, details. But uh, uh, Susan, I would like you to tell us, uh, I know there are maybe a hundred participants, but what uh, is the program? It has poetry, authors, novelists. It's not only really literature, it's way more than that. It's like a cultural festival. So in details, tell us uh, like who's participating because I know that the ticket, you sold out of tickets, which is yes. very, very impressive. I'm not sure how many they are, but because I know that there is limited space in the university, uh, but there are probably 100 joining virtually. So there is chance for people to join those who are listening. So tell us what's uh, like, what's in this program, when it's starting and when it's ending and what people expect. Sure. Um, So actually we are expecting about 1,500 people in person. We actually had to create some overflow space to hold people. So we had to put a hard stop to ticket sales at that point. Yes. And we actually have over 300 people now so far registered to view some of the live stream sessions. That is still open. If you go to our website, you'll see the opportunity to register to watch the live stream uh, for some of the sessions. And so um, I welcome people to do that. That number is growing uh, pretty rapidly. So um, so what are what is the program like? Um, and Laura can tell you about this as well. We have a, a wide variety of programs, but at the heart of the festival is the idea of storytelling. And we see that there is storytelling in lots of different art forms. So we have panels on poetry, on novels, on memoirs. Um, we have panels focused on children's books, right? The importance of children's books. We really believe that Palestinian children and all children need to see themselves in books. This is something I'm very passionate about. And so we have a variety and a diverse lineup of children's speakers. Um, We have uh, Wafat Ghanem, who is the foremost scholar in America on the history and art of Tatriz, Palestinian embroidery. And we believe that there is, uh, we don't believe there is actually storytelling in that art form. You know, there are uh, lots of storytelling, uh, lots of storytelling that goes on in creating that kind of art form. So yes, there's a wide variety of cultural genres being covered, but at the heart of all of them is storytelling. We have, um, I'm very excited that we have renowned speakers like Ibrahim Nasrallah coming, um, Rada Karmi is coming, um, Hussein Yassin, Salman Abu Sitte. We have a lot of people coming um, from across the diaspora. We also have uh, renowned artists and speakers who are not Palestinian who are coming. Uh, Viet Tan Nguyen, the Pulitzer Prize winning novelist of The Sympathizer will be there. Um, Jamila Tompkins Bigelow, uh, a very talented award-winning children's author. She's a black Muslim writer and writes beautiful books for children. So we have uh, a, a wide variety of programming available for anybody. This is the kind of festival that you can bring your parents and your children to it. (laughs) There will be something for everybody there. Okay, let me bring uh, Laura Bust uh, in. As I mentioned, she's a, a journalist and a photographer, editor, and she's also part of the um, steering committee or the founders or the the logistics of this amazing 
uh, event taking place. Um, why did you all, uh, Laura, pick uh, Penn University and Philadelphia? Um, and uh, I want to move uh, on into the logistics, uh, a little bit logistics, and then I guess move to what Ahmed and I alluded to, and I think Ahmed will take it from there. Um, I, I mean the controversy or the so-called controversy created. But Laura, tell us a little bit of why the location and how supportive is the university? Of course. So, you know, Philadelphia has a rich, um, a rich culture of artists um, and writers, and there's a lot of Palestinians in the area as well. Um, we were hoping to be able to bring this festival to different cities and different campuses, but we strongly believe in collaborating with students and students are, you know, they're the majority of volunteers. They've been organizing with us consistently for over a year. Um, you know, this is their festival as much as it is ours, and that is why we're hosting it on their campus. We're we're creating space for them uh, when usually there is no space for Palestinians or Arabs or even pro-Palestinian um, uh, writers and readers who are interested in in gathering together and celebrating cultural productions. So it was really important for us to to have that aspect. Um, you know, the the university. Uh, I mean, you you can you can dive into the controversy a little bit. The university has been. Um, supportive up until you know the 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 attacks. Um, of course, um, you know they they've been bombarded by false um, accusations and uh, letters that are accusing us of all sorts of heinous things. It's it's quite terrible uh, how how threatened Zionists feel by by poetry, food, and dance, and 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 music and writing. This is a festival where we're celebrating our identity. We all exist together in the same space. We're forming community. We're sharing stories. Um, so we can we can talk a little bit more about that. Definitely. Yeah, actually, I am reading the Philadelphia Inquirer. And when was this uh, published? Let me just see. Uh, September 20th. Uh, okay. And uh, it is, I just really want to quote this. Um, and here I'm quoting the uh, Philadelphia Inquirer. Some Jewish groups locally and nationally have protested, according to the Daily Pennsylvanian, the student newspaper, which has been covering the controversy extensively, saying it threatens the safety of Jewish students on campus and calling on Penn to distance itself from the event and exclude certain speakers. Please tell me, are you asking people to come like um, armed with weapons or... Oh, oh, my God. How are you going to threaten the safety of students? So here's the thing, thing Samar. Um, these are Zionist organizations that are threatened by our existence. Our mere existence as Palestinians um, is a threat to their political ideology that on a daily basis, because of the Israeli occupation, kills and murders and loots and robs Palestinians of their homes and their lives. And I think the biggest, the, the, mo the missing thing from all this um, from all, all the discourse and all the media coverage that has been going on against the, the festival is the Palestinians. Nobody has spoken about the Israeli occupation. Nobody has spoken about the policies. Since when is criticizing um, a military occupation, since when is criticizing 
oppressive policies of a Zionist government um, a threat? Don't we criticize other governments for for other things in the United States? Um, are is, is suddenly that a threat to 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 speak for ourselves? I don't. Th I think controversy is the very is a ridiculous word. I don't think it's controversial that I exist as a Palestinian. And, and I think it's ridiculous that these attacks are happening. I, I do want to repeat that, you know, we are, this is a storytelling event. We have sessions where we're reading books and we're singing together and we're listening to poetry and we're looking at art. We have an art exhibit. Um, we have food, we have, we're, we're existing together in community. We're not talking about anything that could threaten anyone. On the contrary, we're even inviting people to come in and join us in this space and see for themselves. I think what has happened is, you know, there has been a lot of insightful, it's an insightful racist campaigns towards us that is honestly Islamophobic, it's anti-Palestinian, it's anti-Arab. There's been mobile billboards on campus. There's been actually branded iced tea, um, um, iced tea cans, uh, Basically accusing us of anti-Semitism. And I think what I want the listeners to hear here is that um, anti-Semitism and anti-Zionism are not the same thing. We have existed with the Jewish people for very long. My great-great-grandmother is a Jewish woman. She raised uh, members of my family. This is not about religion. This is not about, about any conflict of any sort. We are here to celebrate culture. And if, if by existing as Palestinians, speaking about our experiences of exile and dispossession, and and uh, right now, you know, Janine was being attacked last year, Shirin Abu Akhle was killed, our people are not safe. How is that a threat? How is it a threat to 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 speak up about our oppression? I I don't I think it's ridiculous what has been happening. Uh, Susan, you if can you're just join us. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, if you're just joining us, this is True Talk on WMNF 88.5 with Ahmed and Summer. We're speaking about a um, literary conference or literature conference that's taking place in Pennsylvania, Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. It's called Palestine, Palestine Rights, W-R-I-T-E-S in Arabic, Philistine, Tektib. And um, we're joined by uh, some of the organizers, uh, Laura Albust and Susan um, Daraj. And we're speaking about the conference. You mentioned a couple of things, uh, Laura, and maybe Susan, you can um, add to this. When you, because a lot of times when we talk about these issues, especially the occupation in Palestine, we have some listeners that are confused when, you know, things like anti-Semitism is thrown around and Zionism and being Zionist. And some of our uh, guests sometimes um, criticize uh, Zionism and say, you know, we're against that. And before we get back about the conference itself, when when we when you criticize Zionism, and this conference is not even about Zionism, this car no, conference, my understanding is, is about Palestine. But Absolutely. somehow the groups the groups that are attacking you are self proclaimed Zionist organizations. So mm -hmm. um, you're not picking this fight. You didn't start this to, to you know to start criticizing these groups, but they're going after you. And now, you know, um, you're responding to that and they say, Oh, look, you're attacking Zionism. So uh, what is Zionism for our listeners? What, or what is your understanding of it? Susan? Well, um, Zionism is a political uh, 
movement. And it resulted in the um, establishment of the state of Israel. And, um, you know, uh, you know, the Israeli state has had a military occupation of Palestinian land for decades now. And um, we are allowed to say that we are against that. And so, but we're not even saying that in this in this conference. This conference is about us. And so I just want to back up a second here and say mm-hmm. that when we are forced to um, confront charges of anti-Semitism, what does that do to us, right? It, it's, it's an old method of putting us on the defense and right. making us defend ourselves and making us actually narrow our narrative down to this attack and 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 be an answer this attack if you believe that simply being palestinian and appreciating palestinian poetry and artwork and photography and music if you believe that that is anti-semitic that expression of that is anti-semitic then you must also believe that we are a monolithic people who all think the same way. And that's that's racist. That's a stereotypically racist portrayal of Palestinians. Um, and it's very tiring and very exhausting. I, I really can't express to your listeners how much for the past two weeks, how many how much of our time has gone not into what it what it should be focused on, which is, you know, solidifying the the conference, but it's gone into like defending ourselves against these attacks. And I really want to give a shout out here to the um, the students at the University of Pennsylvania, the Arab students who have been our um, liaison on the ground there. They have really been seeing and feeling and hearing some very violent language against them. I can't explain to people um, the billboards that have been put up around campus. There are trucks driving around these horrific billboards using fiery language and fiery imagery, um, blood and so much. I mean, it's it's really violent and it's really um, intimidating. It's meant to intimidate, it's meant to bully. And most of all, when you are charged as anti-Semitic for simply expressing your Palestinian culture, it's a way to silence you. That's what it's intended to do. And I find that to be exhausting and frustrating, but it also reinforces to me the need for events like this. We don't have safe spaces for our people to come together with our friends and celebrate our heritage and our culture. But the festival will go on. Um, as one of our colleagues, Huda Fakhreddin, who is a professor at Penn said, and I'm gonna mimic her words here, um, I'm choosing to be positive about this because just as we've been attacked unfairly, I want to also say that our friends have showed up for us. Um, We have had very wonderful, a wonderful outpouring of support from friends, allies across the spectrum. Um, And and the letters we've received, um, the messages the university has received in support of us from the campus community, from the Philadelphia region, from across the country and the world have been uplifting. And I want to thank all those people who are supporting us. You you really came through for us. And so I'm choosing to focus on that. That's good. And but while you're focused on that, you have groups like the AGC and others that are just in full steam. Um, you know, I don't know, they're dedicating so much resources to redefine your conference and make it about security and other issues. Um, it, it seems to me that some of these groups, I'm not even sure if maybe 
one of their leaders once said, you know, if somebody comes on on my Twitter or tweets that they're pro-Palestine, that that somehow means they're anti-Semitic. That the two are some when the two have nothing. You can be pro-Palestine and not be anti-Semitic. To be pro having your own country, but in in uh, or your own space or your own rights, uh, and to be treated equally. Uh, a question um, for you: In the face of the challenges and accusations, how has the festival or the organizers responded to ensure that you know it remains a platform for open dialogue? artistic expression and culture exchange. How are you even able to do that and to continue focusing on that? Well, um, we already had put a lot of effort and time into making it an inclusive and safe space. Um, for example, um, we've considered the needs of all marginalized people in this space. Like we have provided ASL translation um, for the disabled, we've provided um, um, uh, uh, sorry, it's, an, it's also an LGBTQ safe space. And uh, we have, like I said, an inclusive lineup of speakers and, and programs. Um, in addition to all of that, in addition to making everybody feel welcome and at home with us um, and able to participate fully in the event, um, we're also making sure that um, we uh, provide security measures so the campus security folks have been working with us to make sure that everyone feels safe attending. People will have to um, uh, register and receive a badge and use that badge throughout the weekend to even access the rooms where the where the panels and programs are being held. I want to say that we have a lot of children attending because we have a very uh, broad children's program and so of course mm -hmm. Uh, we have to watch out for our children as well. The thought that we're a danger to anybody is laughable. Um, I feel that, and, and the students at Penn right now who are working with us, of course, feel very attacked. So I think the opposite is true, that we're the ones who are worried about our safety, but we're taking all uh, precautions to make sure that everyone is safe and feels comfortable at the event. And I, and I think we will be we will be fine. Great. Um, I mean, it's it's actually very reckless and dangerous for what these groups that are, you know, making these false accusations and fabrications are actually putting, you know, the organizers and the people at the conference uh, mm -hmm. in danger by promoting this narrative that somehow, you know, that this there is violence there that could encourage some, you know, people that are not in their right mind to take actions on their own or or whatever it may be. Um, and if you're just joining us, we're speaking um, about the Palestine Rights Conference. It's a literature conference that's taking place in Philadelphia. And I think, you know, some of the, you can go to the website, Palestine Rights, that's W-R-I-T-E-S dot org to find out more information. Um, some of the sessions will be streamed. I wanted to ask Laura, um, the festival seems to emphasize the importance of cultural exchange and understanding. How do you hope that Palestine rights can contribute to the broader conversation um, about what's happening there in the Middle East and, and in Palestine? And, so, and you know, vis-a-vis -vis the occupation. Yeah, so Ahmed, so in terms of just cultural understanding, we we don't only have Palestinian speakers, we also have Arab and non-Arab. 
speakers who are bringing also their, you know, they're, they're, they're coming into an intersectional space of different struggles around the world. We have a session about the global South, South and, the, and its relationship with Palestine, um, like South Africa, uh, like the indigenous struggle in, in the United States as well, um, and, and, and the struggle of, of all of our allies. I think it's really important that we're learning from each other as well. There's a session on street art storytelling, which is bringing an artist from Gaza, an artist from Morocco, uh, an artist from Egypt and an artist from the United States. And they're going to, and they're speaking about how they how they do their art in public spaces in terms of accessibility, but also how their own culture and their own understanding sort of um, manifest through that. So I think what what is important for us to focus here is that this is a celebration. This is a joyful event. It is a happy event. We're listening to different stories. We have different writers coming in. And as Susan said, you know, children's programming. We're not going to be sitting down around like it's a conference and discussing any 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 politics. Of course, our lives are deeply intertwined with politics. Some of us are refugees. Some of us are exiles. Some of us are coming from Gaza. They're coming from Palestine. So we really have those voices represented, especially we have a session on reporting Palestine, which brings Majdi Banura and Shada Hanaisha from Al Jazeera, who were both with Shirin Abu Aqli uh, when she was killed by an Israeli sniper. So I think it's important. It's important to focus on the aspects of celebration, but the fact that we are we are offering a space for different voices and experiences from everywhere in the world and their relationship to Palestine, whether that relationship is related to the occupation or literature and culture and art. And of course, you're also providing a platform to uplift or to amplify, um, our, you know, writers and artists and others that don't normally have those opportunities in other uh, conferences. Um, but in, in your opinion, uh, why, why, and how do you think that literature and storytelling are essential in addressing, you know, complex political issues? For example, I know this conference is not about politics, but of course, you can't escape when you talk about Palestinians. The political situation and occupation that they're in so how is you know storytelling um and literature how can that um you know create or foster empathy and better understanding for the diverse audiences or people that will be attending um, you know, I'm ready. oh i have no, very brief. Um, you know, in many ways, writers are keepers of history. Um, they remember. They remember what happened to us, and it is pr proven that storytelling really, um, really built us forward for the future, and 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 helps us preserve our, our identity. So, literature and storytelling are very, very, very important in preserving our memory and the memory of our ancestors, but also in building our own future as Palestinians. And I'll, I'll let Susan speak more to it. She, she's, you know, she's the writer here. So I think she can, she can really speak to that. Um, can, can you hear me? Yeah, go ahead. Oh, okay. Sorry. Um, no, and I, I echo everything Laura just said. I, I just wanted to add to what she said that, um, you know, for example, I'm a novelist, and I I really feel that even though um, someone is writing fiction, there is a lot of truth in fiction, and so the the magic of storytelling is that you can make the unknowable knowable to somebody. You know, you can actually make somebody connect to another human being through telling them a story about their life. 
people don't connect to political ideas, people don't connect to abstract theories, people connect to other people. And um, and stories and poems and art, those are the ways that we do that. And unfortunately, as I, as I said earlier, um, you know, the publishing industry in this country is still very homogenous. And so you, you are more likely to find um, a book about um, African-American history written by a white writer than it would be written by a black writer, for example. And so we have a lot of problems in the publishing industry in this country. And when it comes to the Palestinian, uh, the, not, to, not the Palestinian story singular, I'm talking about Palestinian stories, plural. When it comes to Palestinian stories, our stories have been written for us by other people who have other agendas, right? Our voices have been shut out. And so I think that this conference is important because it will introduce to a North American audience, and we are the first and largest Palestinian um, literary conference in North America. This conference is introducing people like Ibrahim Nasrallah, Salman Abu Sitte, um, Rada Karmi and others to a North American audience. And we are slowly changing, um, you know, the reception and the crafting of the Palestinian narrative in this country. And this is this is the way that we do that by bringing those stories here and getting people to talk about them. Summer, we didn't uh, mention um, Susan's book, Susan Moadi Daraj. Uh, she's the author of some books uh, that are titled uh, with titles like The Inheritance of Exile, A Curious Land, and Farah Rocks. Um, I mentioned Farah Rocks because I okay. like the character. <laughs> Thank you. It's just like Palestinian women, Ya Ahmed, your co host. Right. <laughs> But I mean, one thing, I mean, some of that, but, but you would, I mean, all, I mean, I think Summer and I talk about this often is how it's like, you know, Palestine, which is one of the oldest, you know, places in the world, you know, that should be the most documented, so much civilization, but somehow in the past hundred years, it, you know, the story and what Palestine is, is being rewritten by a people that have you know, that are not that connected to the land. And somehow now the narrative in America is that, oh, Palestine never existed. There were never Palestinian people. And it's just this thing that gets repeated over and over that, oh, these were just Arabs and other places, um, you know, whether it's Egypt or Jordan. But people are writing those books, and I guess it's through literature that they're putting this narrative out there. That, and now a lot of Americans don't really understand and know what Palestine is. So... Um, you know, I think what you guys are doing is really important. Uh, Summer, go ahead. Uh, just uh, I want to remind our listeners that we are talking to two uh, awesome uh, American-Palestinian women, Suzanne Darraj and Laurel Bassett. They are one of the brains behind one of the most uh, significant literature uh, festivals happening tomorrow, starting tomorrow afternoon and lasting till Sunday at Penn University in Philadelphia, Palestine Rights. You can go to palestinerights.org and uh, follow the uh, events. Again, I am looking, uh, ladies, to the uh, media coverage. And then I saw that there were letters actually signed by the university, some university professors, as well as several Jewish organizations. And I'm looking now at actually the Twitter feed and um, 
I think uh, I'm looking at uh, uh, several Jewish organizations publicly on Twitter uh, supporting the event. Could you mention the letter uh, signed by the professors, what it says, as well as these Jewish organizations that are uh, trying to help you and uh, uh, make this uh, very successful and good uh, conference? And I, can I say something about that? And I, and I want to also connect this to um, the point Ahmed just made about, about literature and how people rewrite stories. The first myth told about the Palestinian people was that we did not exist, right? The initial myth was that, um, you know, the Israelis uh, made the desert bloom. There was nothing there. And so that quickly, beca it quickly became apparent that we were there. We'd been there for thousands of years. And so the next step was to demonize us, to create a monolithic, monstrous image of us and demonize it. And so that's what the charge of anti-Semitism does, is it, it, it's part of that demonization of our people. And I'm grateful for the people who have um, stood behind us, our allies, um, our Jewish allies, for example. Um, you know, we have many Jewish speakers speaking at the festival, by the way. Um, I, I don't think anybody who's bought the talking points of the, um, the, the, the Zionist Organization of America, because um, they're all using the same talking points. You can see the points repeated over and over. I don't think any of them have actually bothered to look at our program and see how very diverse it is. But when, when our allies stand behind us, it, it reminds everybody that we are a very diverse people. You know, we are a very diverse people. We are not a monolith. And so... Um, the statements that have come out, I'll let Laura jump in and, and reply to that, but the statements that have come out have been very uplifting to everybody at Palestine Rights. And they were very needed because we've really been we've really been put through the ringer the last couple of weeks. After after, by the way, um, this festival has been in the making for two years. We have devoted two years and thousands of volunteer hours. Nobody is getting paid thousands of hours um, for two years to put this together. So I just want to let everyone know that. Laura, do you want to jump in about the letters? Of course, what? yeah. So as to, I, I echo Susan, you know, we've had so many supporters. It's been it's been very touching. Um, and, and we really, really thank everybody for supporting us. There was a letter by around 36 faculty members at the University of Pennsylvania uh, where they 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 wrote it to the president and the provost in support of us. Um, they actually um, uh, note that, um, you know, note that the university has made it seem that some lives are more valuable than others. So they were calling that out. There were also um, statements out from, you know, Jewish organizations on campus. A Jewish organization wrote in support of us and said that the Palestine Rights Festival is an opportunity to center, engage, and celebrate Palestinian voices. And we really appreciate all the support that we have received. I also want to point something out, you know, Ahmed has said earlier about the, the narrative that has been going on. I just wanted to say that, um, you know, the, 
The issue is in the United States, uh, perhaps the United. I think around the world, you know, Palestine is is known. We do have many allies and many grassroots groups around the world that have have spoken up for us, um, and 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 that is amazing. But I also want to note that the perceptions in the United States are changing, and I think the reason why these attacks become more insightful and more racist and more violent every year with every event is because. Because our, because our supporters are becoming more vocal and they're supporting us and their voices are making us stronger. And I think that needs to be noted because an earlier poll this year has showed that the number of American Democrats, the number of youth in the United States who sympathize with the Palestinian cause, who do see Israel as an apartheid state, has increased. We our, by telling stories, by speaking to the media, by publishing, by reading poetry, by, by doing scholarly work, we exist on different campuses, we exist in different cities, the perception is changing, and we invite all people, if you can't join us on our virtual stream tomorrow during opening night to go through our website, we are going to be recording and publishing all the sessions at a later date. But go through our website, go through our speakers list, read the books that they've written, learn about them. I think it's important for us to learn from each other. Actually, Laura, there was um, a survey, I think a couple of years ago, where actually more than 36% of young American Jews who are more supportive of Palestine who do not uh, agree with the policies of the state of Israel and not only uh, just any Americans who are really uh, shifting and paying attention, uh, but there are also a survey among American young uh, Jews. And this has to do probably with the interaction uh, of this young generation with other American Muslims and Palestinian Muslims and or uh, uh, Arab Americans uh, in the university, the spread of um, social media and all that. But like you said, Laura, I really want people to go to the program because I am fascinated and and I know that there are some uh, sh uh, programs are going to be uh, happening at the same time. And if I were there, I would be really very confused what to attend and what not to attend. So I'm very happy you're recording everything and soon it's going to be available. And I'm looking at uh, the show. So for instance, uh, there is, like you said, there is story time. And these story times are with uh, non-Arabs and non-Muslims and some of uh, non-Palestinians. And some of them are actually uh, Jewish, like you said. But there is one that really attracted my attention, which is the Hakawati. Yes. And this is really important in the light of what you were talking about, uh, Susan, Laura and Ahmed, about like, why am I a Palestinian? And we and I faced this so many times with some callers uh, to the show, uh, very, very few, uh, thank God, saying that, you know, you speak Arabic, you're part of that world. Why don't you just live in Egypt? Why don't you just live in Jordan? You were born in Kuwait. Why don't you just go there? We don't have another place except for Israel. So go out. The Hakawati that is part of the show. And in particular, the one on Saturday, uh, I think at 2.20 p.m., the title is quite uh, intriguing, U.S. Slavery and the Hidden Story Behind Palestine's Famous Jaffa Orange. So, ladies, whoever want to, uh, wants to jump in, what is the Hakawati, the importance of Hakawati that really tells me why I am Palestinian, why I belong to the land, and how is this connected to uh, America? 
Um, I'll just I'll just say a few things. I I really do hope people come out and see this. And actually, last night, um, the Hakawati is the the two artists were hosted by an organization in Philadelphia, a wonderful group called El Bustan, which is a wonderful um, uh, organization in Philadelphia that um, promotes Arab culture. And they they did a performance last night in the um, at Al Bustan, and it was a packed house. So um, these these um, storytellers are reviving this ancient tradition of oral storytelling. And I have not heard the one about the orange, the, the Yaffa orange myself, but I'm planning to attend that one for sure. They're they're telling um, ancient stories that have been passed down over the years. And again, the, the importance of these stories are not just that they're delightful and interesting and historically fascinating to listen to, but they they connect Palestinian um, heritage and culture to that region. And so they are like an anchor, right? Culture is like an anchor many times. And so that's what these um, Hakawatiya stories are actually going to, I think, demonstrate. Um, so yes, the, these stories are some of the ones I'm very excited to attend and listen to, and I hope everybody will feel the same. Laura, you want to add uh, anything? Um, and I had a question also before I know Ahmed needs to jump in and we're wrapping up. We have like six minutes to go, but uh, Susan, you mentioned, uh, could this like be an annual event? I know from looking at the program and the people participating, it's it's probably yeah like you said two years of work but could we see this in different states different universities annually or you think every couple of years or what everyone who attends will receive a survey about the different sessions they attended and and their feeling overall about the festival and i think what we'll see is a a demand for this to happen on a more regular basis i'm imagining i'm hoping every two years we will have this festival um, we're not sure where it will happen. It, it may stay in Philadelphia. It may travel. We're, we're simply not sure. But um, uh, I, I do think that you will see this become a regular institution in North America. And all the sessions will be uh, taped and available on your website and YouTube and so people can go back to it. Is that right, Laura? I think so. Yeah, yeah. the hope is that we'll, we'll be able to provide all the sessions on our YouTube channel. So if you look us up at Palestine Rights, you can see you can actually watch sessions from 2020 that are already uploaded. So inshallah, as soon as the festival is over and we, you know, handle all the recordings, we'll, we'll be able to release that. Okay. And may I add one more thing, yeah. if, if I yeah. may? Speaking Please. of literature. Yes. Um, so uh, a couple of years ago, Palestine Rights decided that because the publishing industry here is is so um, not inclusive of Palestinian voices, we wanted to provide a platform for Palestinians um, to publish their work. And so we actually established Palestine Rights Press. And that's wow. actually my role in, in, oh the, my in the organization. I'm the director of Palestine Rights Press. And we are publishing our first book and launching it at the festival. It is a reprint and an an Arabic translation of a beautiful book written by Ani Kenafani, the widow of Hassan Kenafani. She wrote this book, um, a a biography of his life about a year after his assassination. For your listeners, he was a very 
um, beloved journalist and and uh, fiction writer, a, pal a Palestinian poet. fiction writer and poet, and and many things. And after his assassination, his wife wrote this beautiful um, uh, biography of his life. We have taken that that book, which was published in 1973, and we have added a, a wonderful new introduction and a foreword, and a, a, a list of resources about his work and his life. And we've also translated the entire book into Arabic as well. It was written in English. And the translation was done by um, a brilliant legal scholar at the University of Pennsylvania named Janan Abushtaya. She is a, a volunteer member of Palestine Rights. She did the entire translation and it's brilliant. And so we are launching this book at the festival and it is our way of establishing Kenneth Fanny as an important writer. We always knew he was, but kind of cementing him as an important writer here in North America as well. So we are actively changing the publishing industry here um, in North America. And this That's is wonderful. our first book. Thank you. Thank you. Congratulations on that launch uh, that will be revealed um, at the conference. We've been speaking to uh, Susan Daraj, an American, a Palestinian American author, and uh, Laura Albust, who is uh, one of the organizers at the Palestine Rights Literature Conference that's taking place um, starting tomorrow in Philadelphia. To uh, find out more, you can go to palestinerights.org. And um, in the last, um, you have maybe um, 45 seconds or a minute each to answer this last question. What message or takeaway do you hope attendees and participants will leave with after experiencing the Palestine Rights uh, Conference? Well, go ahead, Laura. I think, um... I think, you know, this is, we are honoring um, a powerful cultural legacies through this conference. We are committed to cultivating and affirming an intergenerational space for all culture workers, creatives and writers. And as I said before, this is a joyful event. It's a celebration mm -hmm. and we're very excited to be there together in community. Susan, uh, what takeaway? I'll, I'll, I hope that people leave this festival with the feeling of um, knowing that uh, the Palestinian people are an ancient, beautiful people with a beautiful and brilliant heritage. And um, we will be happy to welcome you. Everyone is welcome at this festival and it is going to be, as Laura said, a true joyous celebration. How can our listeners uh, get involved or support the festival? Laura? Well, follow our pages. Um, tune in on opening night for the live stream um, and share. And that will be on Palestine, palestinerights.org? Yes. Uh, so at palestinerights.org, or you can go to our uh, social media. We also have information information there about the live stream. Okay. Also, read, read uh, us. <laughs> do what? Read, read us, read our books, uh, read our authors. Okay, so there'll be, are there book recommendations on the website too? The, um, we, we actually, we actually should get that up as soon as possible. Um, yeah. Okay, that would be great. great. So mm -hmm. the website is Palestine, because a lot of times when, especially when we're doing the shows and people, and, and during the time of crisis about Palestine, then, you know, people want to read something, they want to watch something. It would be nice to have, you know, a solid list of go-to. 
the resources. But we're out of time. Thank you so much for joining us and also for our listeners for being here. This is WMNF Tampa. NPR News is next. And after that, more great programming um, from WMNF. So have a great weekend, everyone. And and thanks for being on. And good luck with your conference. Summer, have a great weekend. Um, We're going to get cut off by the news any second. So I'm just going to keep talking until then because I don't have my uh, second countdown. Um, Take care, Summer. You too. WMNF Tampa. NPR News is next.